2022 has been another tough year for South Africans. Load shedding, violent crime, political infighting, the Zondo report, ongoing corruption. These are just some of the stories that have dominated the headlines. The rising cost of living has also taken its toll. So is there any light at the end of the tunnel? President Cyril Ramaphosa thinks there is and addressed the nation with optimism in October. I have every confidence that no matter the challenges, we will walk this path together and we will prevail because we are South Africans. But not all South Africans are convinced. Many face another bleak festive season with unemployment levels at record highs and skyrocketing costs of living. I'm Catherine Rice, multimedia journalist for News24, and this is The Story. This week, we'll be talking to News24 editors and journalists about some of the biggest stories to dominate headlines in the country in this past year. But it hasn't all been doom and gloom. We're talking to political editor Quinita Hunter, and later on, we'll talk to lifestyle editor Herman Eloff about some of the more positive stories to make the headlines. Quinita, thanks so much for your time. The Zondra report has been a story that has captured the public's imagination. South Africans really want to see accountability. And that looks like it could be said to happen. Tell us about the Zondra report and the impact it's had politically. After many, many years and almost a billion or more spend on the Zonda report, we finally have a complete picture of what state capture was in South Africa, what it did to the state, how corruption became endemic with the assistance of the former president. And that report, it's thousands and thousands of pages. There are five parts to it. They were presented to President Sol Ramaphosa. It was made public. It really gives you granular detail how different organs of the state were captured, whether it was PRASA, whether it was ESCOM, whether it was the Department of Communication and SABC, for example. What the report does is paints a picture of what was broken. And then the recommendations are extremely important in terms of what needs to happen. The foremost part of it is the criminal recommendations, recommendations that former ministers Lynn Brown, Faith Mutambi, the former head of SABC, Claudie Mutsaneng, must face criminal charges. There's, you know, up to 200 senior ANC officials that um, there's recommendations, adverse recommendations against them. But there's an interesting bit as well, is that the commission takes it forward in trying to answer the question how to stop state capture in the future. And there's a lot of recommendations around changes and amendment to legislation. Once this report was given to the president, the final version, the president said, give me time, I'm going to apply my mind and then come up with a plan and submit that plan to parliament. He's now done so. In that plan, there's various different responses, whether it is an indication to amend legislation, for example, the big issues around cadre deployment and how that played a role in state capture. The president points to a professionalization framework that has just been approved by cabinet as the way to, you know, solve the issue around cadre deployment and its its role in uh, whole-scale corruption. So are we seeing, you know, more and more top politicians in the dock 
for state capture, not to the scale the public expects. There has been incremental efforts and reforms that have been pushed through in terms of amending legislation, in terms of uh, certain appointments in key state entities in an effort to turn the wheel uh, around from the state capture uh, era. There has been some significant developments with regards to the ID, the investigative directorate, which one of the, the biggest action plans that the president announced in response to the Zonda Commission was making the investigative directorate permanent, which is the rebirth of that scorpions that we used to have, you know, an, a, an independent, adequately resourced investigative capability within the National Prosecuting Authority. And that body, the ID, has been pushing with state capture cases. There has been some significant arrests. We know Brian Mulefe, for example, Machela Koko, key important players in the state capture machine are now being hauled to court years later. And so what the report does is it gives us in black and white This was the modus operandi of of state capture, but also takes it forward to say this needs to be done. And if implemented, hopefully there will not be a return of state capture. But again, now we will have to pay close attention to whether uh, those recommendations are actually implemented. Juanita, it's certainly going to be an interesting few months ahead of us. In terms of South Africa's political landscape, how is that changing? Are we going to see a lot more coalitions in place? I think the ANC losing its firm majority in the national elections in 2024 is quite imminent. I think that it is something that many people have have predicted. If you just look at the 2021 municipal elections, you will see that the ANC uh, support dropped drastically and you have more than 60, some 70 plus municipalities across the country now governed through coalitions. Of the eight metros in the in the country, only two are not governed by coalitions. And so it's quite fascinating to see the sort of machinations playing out around coalitions. We've had very unstable coalition agreements in uh, the metros. We've seen different formations. We've seen smaller political parties becoming kingmakers and decision makers in metros, but also in smaller obscure municipalities, like, for example, in Cedarburg or in Kanaland, for example. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating. I think a lot of people are anxious considering we are living the instability that coalitions bring. If you look at the city of Joburg, for example, in two weeks it had two mayors. If you look at Ikuruleni, where you had a mayor voted out in a motion of no confidence, only for two weeks later the, the, the mayor to be voted back in, that same mayor. And so we have seen coalitions through the lens of complete instability and complete political immaturity even. And so the the anxiety of what will this look like uh, on a national scale. I think that uh, the year ahead in 2023, there's going to be a lot of focus on that and a lot of focus on opposition parties trying to come together because we saw a unique situation that where the ANC was declining in support, opposition parties were not growing individually to a point where growing their muscle. And so among opposition parties as well, there's been a lot of division 
And we've seen it play out in the city of Joburg, for example, between Action SA and the Democratic Alliance, the EFF as well. And so the, the, the question is going to be, who is going to be the kingmaker come the 2024 general elections? And I think that that would be the focus going forward. Quinita, for you as the political editor, what are the top stories that stand out this year? There's a lot that happened this year. I think that the starting the year, the fire in Parliament was absolutely momentous. I think it was really, really the top story starting off the year. I think the allegations around Palapala was probably the biggest story of the year. The ANC elective conference, we have been covering uh, all of the regional and provincial conferences. It's important who gets elected into these uh, uh, different structures of the ANC. That has been a massive focus of the year. Like we spoke about coalitions, um, instability in the metros. We've been covering motions of no confidence. This is in, in, in Johannesburg, uh, uh, the different allegiances that have been playing out. So that has also been very, very important. And I think that uh, we cannot underplay an important uh, news story this year was what our colleague at News 24 Investigations, Jeff Wicks, exposed around the Tembisa Hospital. And, and that being almost a microcosm of broader corruption in the country. Thank you. That was Quinita Hunter, political editor for News 24. We're now joined by News 24's lifestyle editor, Haman Elof. Haman, South Africans desperately need an escape from the harsh realities we face here on a daily basis. As the lifestyles editor, do you think South Africans are in greater need of entertainment than ever before to escape the horror of the headlines? Hey, Catherine, thank you so much for having me. I think uh, definitely after everything that we've been through, uh, South Africans definitely need that light at the end of the tunnel. What's also interesting is the way uh, I spoke to somebody about this the other day, and the way that we deal with trauma is sometimes by reading these very intense, hard hard news stories that we get every day because we kind of have this out-of-body experience of going through the worst and then being like, okay, we're, we're still fine um, type of experience. And I think what lifestyle does is it gives you that space and that that area where you can just take in the good news, the news about life, the news about what people are interested in, see what other people are doing. And we need that um, today more than ever before. Absolutely. But the Queen's death, I mean, that was certainly one of the biggest stories this year. That's not a light story, but it's still sort of captivated South Africans. Why do you think we're so interested in what goes on in the lives of the royals? thousands of miles away. Do you think it's a form of escape? You're 100% right. The The Queen's death was on, um, I'm looking at the data here, it's our number one story for the year so far. It's got over half a million patriots on just one story that where the, where the Queen's death was announced. Obviously not everybody is interested in the royals, but I think there was a sense of curiosity. Um, she was this political and historical figure that was always there right throughout history, uh, you know, from Churchill uh, to to where we are today, you, you could always find the Queen. And the fact that that was no longer there made people curious. And I think there's also this pomp and theatre around it that uh, people also find curious and interesting and that drew people to that. Just to see something different uh, that's not here, that's not local, that's, that's happening in a different country and kind of takes you out of your space. Exactly. And it's just, it, it's 
as you say, the theatre of it was quite astounding. Mm. Herman, what were your top stories of the year? The stories that were uplifting and showed the chias that South Africans have. Can you tell us about some of your favourites? Yeah, I think what was great this year is we had a lot of feel-good stories. We specifically focused on those stories that were uplifting and inspiring. And we really needed that. For me personally, I like um, I like my uh, interviews with celebrities, international celebrities who just have this passion and love for South Africa. Big Girls being one, um, such a great guy, so full of energy, so inspired by South Africa, loves it absolutely. Um, um, and then there was Taika Waititi, the director of Thor, um, who also just uh, spoke about the time he was in South Africa, shark diving with Blake Lively. And it's these stories of these uh, international people that are so well known, and then they just shared their love for South Africa and what stands out for them and how they wish they could be here. And here I'm sitting in Cape Town interviewing uh, Hollywood stars who wish they could be here. I mean, that's that, that's that made me feel good. That's pretty amazing. I mean, South Africa is a beautiful country. That's for sure. We have our problems, but you can't beat it in terms of its beauty. Thank right. you so much for your time. That was Herman Elaf, lifestyle editor for News Twenty Four. That's all we have time for. I'm Catherine Rice, and you've been listening to the story.